Well, hello, and welcome back to a fine edition of Ghost Stories Told from the South. I'm your host, Stephen LeBooth. I hope this doesn't scare you, but we've got some great scary stories for you today. I just pulled these out of the old cellar. Should be some good stories for you today. Don't go get scared on me now. So just get ready for some good old stories, guys. Hope everybody's doing good. Welcome back to another edition. Like I said, I'm your host, Stephen Lebusa. <coughs> we got some great stories today for you. I am out of uh, Europe and all that over there for right now. I'm going to be covering Nevada for a while. So, hope everybody's doing good. Everybody's been enjoying our... Uh, show we got going on here i've noticed we've been getting some new listeners and i've been helping people trying to find the find the place and play it so if you have any uh if you ever want to hear that well if you're listening to it then never mind i ain't gonna say that anyways if y'all got any questions about anything just email me man it's at uh, ghost stories told from the south at gmail.com well i think it's time we dive into some stories what do you say boys we are going to go with, sorry, okay, we are going to go with the go, with gold, with the Goldfield Hotel. The Goldfield Hotel opened in 1908 and was designed by architect George E. Holsworth. Yeah, Holsworth. It was a building on the same site as the previous Nevada hotel that was destroyed in a fire in 1905. And it killed everybody, they said. So, it's already starting off on a bad note, man. And then, what do we got? Shortly after construction, the uh, mining uh, tycoon... George Wingfield purchased the uh, hotel and owned it until 1923 when it was sold to uh, Newton Crumley. Crumley dug two mine shafts below the hotel hoping to strike gold. However, these shafts were uh, never oh, they uh, these shafts were never they never found gold or anything. Well then um, after that Wingfield was uh, rather admired with a local prostitute, which means he fell in love with one of the local, uh, you know, prostitutes, hookers, the old hooker in town. Yeah, he fell asleep with her. Uh, he fell asleep with her. He fell in love with her. Her name was uh, Elizabeth. And rumor has it that when she came to the hotel and announced that she was pregnant, Wingfield, uh, after that, Afraid of the scandal and all that because, you know, he's a well-known rich man and he's having an affair with a prostitute. Yeah, it's not going to look good. And she's pregnant. So, she uh, he kidnapped a woman and chained her to one of the radiators in uh, room 109 where she remained until the child was born. Some say Elizabeth died at chi- or died giving birth. Others claim that Wingfield uh, murdered her and then threw her and the baby down an old mine shaft. 
Many claim that Elizabeth did not die until 1930, that her newborn was thrown down one of the mine shafts below the hotel. Okay, you already said that. Thus, uh, suggesting that it was uh, Crumley, not Wingfield, who was likely her lover. Because, uh, remember, Crumley bought the place after Wingfield, and he's the one who put the tunnels in. But regardless of who uh, did it, nobody was ever uh, put in prison or jail for the murder or nothing. Nothing ever happened of it at all. It's one of the most uh, famous stories in Goldfield. Well, in Nevada, too. Elizabeth Ghost haunts the hotel. Her apparition <coughs> has been seen. Many guests... There we go. Uh, where are we at? Okay, her apparition has been seen by many guests in room 109. A room that has been uh, described as essentially cold. Elizabeth is reported of having long flowing hair while wearing a white gown. See, here we go with the, another woman in white. What is it with the women in white? I mean, I know they didn't have much fashion or color back then, and white was pretty much it, but jeez. I mean, there isn't any women in gray, women in black, women in green, women in red. I mean, nothing like that. But it's okay. Those who have seen her say she appears very sad and pacing the hallway calling for her child. Numerous visitors also report that their cameras do not work in room 109. But as soon as they step out, shping, they work. Additional ghosts and additional ghosts haunt the uh, hotel too. <laughs> Two of them reportedly committed suicide on their third floor, while their entities. Sorry, I'm regrouping here, so I can see a little bit. Of while their uh, identities remain largely unknown. It has been, it has been one of, it is believed that one of the men who jumped to his death and the other woman who, uh, who hung herself. Additionally, the main, in the main dining room is haunted by mystif, mischievous ghost nicknamed the Stabber. Well, what he does isn't really mysterious. Devious. He reportedly attacks visitors with a large kitchen knife before disappearing. Nobody has uh, been injured or killed. Numerous guests have been rather frightened by the experience and leave. Finally, uh, three, sme three small ghosts uh, believed to be children are said to haunt the main lobby uh, staircase. The spirits enjoy sneaking up. Uh, behind visitors, tapping their backs, and then running away and laughing. <laughs> Even George Wingfield himself is said to haunt the hotel as well. His trademark cigar smoke and random ashes are found everywhere. God, sorry about that, guys. God, that's one thing I hate 
I need to find some better mics because when I move my papers and shit like that, that happens. And that's a big old no-no. Okay. The hotel and its ghost stories have been featured on Fox World's super, uh, Scariest Places, uh, Ghost Adventures in uh, 2004, 11, and 13, and by Ghost Hunters in 2008. So if you need a place to go, you know, check on some ghosts, go for it. I didn't check into it. I don't know if you can rent the place or get tours, but check it out. It's the Goldfield uh, Hotel in Goldfield, Nevada. Tell them Stephen LeBouf sent you. <laughs> okay, now some of these are kind of long and some of these are like really short. So bear with me. Okay, now we're going for the next story. Story number two. Rollette, Nevada is a ghost town in every sense of the word. It was a, it was a, founded in 1904 and it grew to a population of 10,000. By 1924, everyone had moved away and died, leaving the town empty. It's said that visitors to uh, Rolette hear the voices of miners and long-dead townspeople uh, echoing through the uh, run-down buildings. One of, the, one of the most famous ghost stories about the town is that of an old gold prospector who was alleged poisoned by the barber, and then he bought a huge gold... Uh, then he bought the huge gold nuggets in town, and it's said that the prospect, prospector can be seen wandering around town wearing a large floppy hat. You know, that's weird about, you know, the miner ghosts. They all have the floppy hats. I mean, I know they were miners, and none of them really struck it rich, but they could have got something better. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Got another good one for you. <coughs> we have Big Jack Davis, the Nevada outlaw. That story is from the Six Mile Canyon in Nevada. Andrew Jack Andrew Jackson, Big Jack Davis started out as a honest miner shortly after he moved from California to Nevada. The course of his career changed, though. A well-educated and intelligent man, Jack uh, Davis, had been mining in the uh, in Sierra Nevada mountains. But when he did not find his fortune in gold, he moved to the Comstock Lode in Nevada territory in, the, uh, late, in late 1859. This time, however, rather than working as a miner, he felt his future might be made in providing services to the miners rather than carrying on the uh, back-breaking work of actually mining and soon built the first stable in Gold Hill. As he soon, uh, as he soon got tired of shoveling hay and grain and manure and all that and keeping up with the livestock, Davis then uh, leased a small uh, 
a small building. A, oh, a uh, small bullion mill, mill in Six Mile Canyon, east of Virginia City, Nevada. <coughs> the mill, in addition to providing services to area miners, was also doing a bit of uh, underhanded work. By all appearances, Davis was a legit businessman, but he was uh, was also leading a double life. At night, he would round up a bunch of thieves, a bunch of his crew, and they'd get together and they'd rob the the, uh, money trains coming in, stagecoaches coming in, all that stuff. He uh, did it for a long time, even trains. So... Stagecoaches, all that stuff. He was robbing him and his buddies. And then what he would uh, use the uh, uh, his uh, mill for, he would melt all the gold and the metal down. Yeah, so he had quite a little uh, thing going. Then he'd burn the bodies. But on, uh, well, I don't know if they said if he burnt the bodies, but he did burn the evidence. He did do that. On November 4th of 1870, Davis led the gang in holding up the Central Pacific Railroad between Verdict and Reno, Nevada, along with gang members, along with uh, four other, uh, no, five other gang members, and they boarded the train at Verdict, and when it reached a district, oh, when it, Okay, let me start all over again. They got on the train and rode the train uh, at Verdia, and when it, then when they reached their destination, a stretch of track paralleling out the uh, Trucus River, the robbers split the pin behind the uh, express car, and the passenger coaches fell back. So they took him to the edge of this uh, railroad, supposedly, and was getting rid of the, some of the trains there. Then they ordered the engineer to pull a stop at an abandoned pull and stop at an abandoned stone carry, and then robbers uh, rode off with nearly forty thousand in gold and silver and coins. And back then, that was a lot of money. Uh, the outlaws had a good job robbing the train and getting the uh, loot into the uh, their pursuers. They would be undone by R.J. Jones when he uh, when he began to spend his share of the loot foolishly, unable unable to explain his newly found wealth. He was picked up in questions and basically he turned on everybody and got everybody caught. Well. He, everybody hung for what they did, and the, they say he robbed and stuff so much that some of his loot is still out there in the uh, Nevada uh, desert, out there in the Six Mile Canyon somewhere, but no one really knows where it is, but people have, there have been reports of uh, <laughs> Big Jack. Uh, wandering around down there, they say they see say they say they have said they see him and some other spirits around there, but his is like the biggest one that they see. Sorry for the belch, guys. 
All right, I guess we'll go with story. Oops. Story number four. It's another shorty. <coughs> One of the scariest ghost stories. Oh, and this is about the Pyramid Lake water babies. And when you hear this story, you're going to go, what the fuck? Yeah, it's crazy. One of the scariest uh, ghost stories in Nevada is the legend of the uh, Pyramid Lake water babies. There's a few versions of the legend. One of the uh, legends, the most popular one, is the uh, that the souls of the discarded babies is what haunts the uh, Pyramid Lake. And here's the legend, and here's how the story goes. Long ago, the Palat Palat people, that was an Indian tribe that was living in that area at the time, threw their uh, premature or deformed babies into the pre-luck, the, the Pyramid Lake in order to keep their tribe strong. So basically, if you didn't look right or you weren't smart or athletic or anything, they would uh, get rid of you. And then if you were born deformed, right out of the bat, bam, they'd throw you in the lake and that's where you went. And they did that to, uh, you know, like they said, to keep their uh, tribe strong. And they say that's the ghost of the uh, babies in the water that, uh, you know, people have reported feeling sometimes something grabbed their feet. Or you look down and you think you see a baby down there, but you look back and nothing's there. Yeah, it's a pretty uh, pretty cool little place. Pyramid Lake in Nevada. Go check it out, man. I know I sure am not. No, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't mind going to some of these places I go to. I mean, I talk about. All right, another shorty. This is story number five. This is about the MGM and Bailey's Casino. I did not know that's about the Big GM Studio or Big GM uh, Hotel that used to be in Vegas. I didn't know that story. Pretty, pretty interesting. But now it's something different. During the 1970s, hotels and, casino, and casinos were open 24 hours and work and were uh, required to have smoke detectors and, you know, stuff like that back then. Because in the uh, 70s, that's when they really started building some of these uh, high-rises, I mean, these big buildings for, uh, you know, for the visitors and stuff, for vacation towns like Vegas. So they didn't require a bunch of shit. Fire alarms and there probably wasn't a whole lot of uh, fire extinguishers, so... Anyways, in the middle of the night, a massive fire broke out in the MGM Grand thanks to some faulty wiring that started in the kitchen, I believe they said. <coughs> 87 people lost their lives as a result of the uh, not having all that. They got sued and, yeah, they had to pay out a lot of money. But they rebuilt some of the cuz it didn't tear they didn't burn the uh, the whole building down i think the north side it got it the worst and that's the side that they had to uh, really really uh build back up so that side is where they see a lot of activity they see this the stairwell is really active the hallways of course and of course the stairwell 
And they'll say sometimes you'll see uh, catch a glimpse of a stranger in like older looking clothing, you know. So if you're ever at the well, now it's called the Bailey's Casino. So, but if you're ever at that casino and you see something, it's probably one of the uh, people that died in a big fire. Okay, we're gonna go over story six. The Rob Canyon Tragedy. Sorry, I thought I had my papers ready, but I didn't. Okay. Well, son of a gun, did I put them backwards? Anyways, here we go. Now this is a, uh, of course I said it's the Rub, tr- the Rub Canyon tragedy. This is one of the big uh, parks there, the Rainbow Ridge. The Rainbow Ridge, looking uh, is overlooking the canyons. It does not look haunted. It actually looks anything but haunted. It's really peaceful, nice, and just I mean children be playing. Their dogs are walking around. It's a really cool like a uh, park. And it's actually a very nice uh, place, people say. They have uh, playgrounds, uh, walkways, basketball hoops. They have picnic tables. Real family-oriented uh, kind of a uh, place. But the Canyon residents are on the fence about one big issue. About it being haunted. And the reason why, well, let me read a little bit more and I'll tell you why. Some residents are uh, pretty tight-lipped about the place. They don't want uh, negative attention brought to the, to the area. Other residents are open about the experience. Many of them have witnessed at least one of not many uh, paranormal events. Most common uh, occurrences is hearing strange sounds and seeing lights come from the canyon some say they have even heard unexplained screams but what is the source of all this paranormal activity you say well (laughs) in the early 1970s four murders occurred in the canyon the multi the um, multi-murder bodies were uh, found three of them were men and one of them was a woman Uh, anyways, three was a man, one was a woman. They was found off the trail, and nobody, the the case went cold. It never got solved. No one could ever get any leads on it. And no other murder happened since then. It was just the four murders, and bam, that was it. Well, people here, ever since then, there have been reports. Sorry if y'all heard that bang. That was me and my microphone again. I'll get that fixed by the next show, guys. Yeah, see, it never got solved, nothing. Not even one little smidgen of a lead. I mean, there was nothing left at the... uh, 
scene they said. So it was a pretty sad situation. People lost their lives and can't find the goddamn murderers. But they, like I said, ever since then they have been seeing the lights, screaming, and other things. And it, they say you have a feeling like you're being watched or something's there. So you never know, man. Pretty creepy, though. You got to think something like that happens and nobody knows about it. There's going to be a lot of crazy stuff. I mean, just in general. But that's why I like going to older places because the more of the history there and stuff, you know, especially if it was a well-traveled area. But we're going to go over the Bell H. Robinson Middle School. <coughs> There had been uh, regulations from past students that described them seeing uh, seeing uh, seeing an unidentified janitor wandering the halls. Some say the janitor had blood on his hands. One of the one of the known patterns of this story was that haunting had happened when they were new students at a school. Having moved in from their previous location, the reason is to why the janitor is haunting new students rather than the regulars is unknown. What also is unknown is how the uh, spectator, the specter of the uh, janitor happens in the first place. At this point, there seem to be known reports of uh, suicides, homicide, or e- even a de- accidental deaths that have occurred in the middles on the middle on the middle school grounds. The ghost will appear at random times of the day and will often disappear. Some of the students you recall seeing the ghost outside of the school grounds. There had been reported that one former student that left a, lived a few block, blocks away from the school would often see the ghost follow him home and then disappear out into thin air by the time the student reached the front yard. This may have been a rescuing event for, oh, a scary event for uh, the students at the middle school that live nearby it. However, the haunting appears to stop under one possible condition. It was said that the new students of the school would no longer see the spirit ever again if they decided to attend church services regularly. While seeing a spirit may be an unusual sign of telling you to go to church, it would appear that hauntings stop when they uh, learn the, uh, that, hey, if you go to church, it'll stop. But that's creepy. It just affects the new student, and there's no um, reports of death or anything being there, but that don't mean nothing. If that's an older school and there was a janitor there that was there for like, I don't know, 10 years, 20 years, well, by the time he, uh, uh, you know, retired or he had a heart, died or something, he was, you know, in that routine every day of going to work and going to the school and scaring the kids. No, I'm just kidding. But, I mean, that's I, that's one thing I have noticed that a lot of spirits still come back 
after they're dead if they're stuck in a routine and stuck in limbo, they say. But that's a ongoing deal I really have noticed about how, you know, someone's at a place for a long time, how they just keep going uh, when they pass away. Well, you guys have always been good. I hope you enjoyed some of these fine stories tonight. And if I go too fast, I'm sorry. I'm late recording this. It's 4th of July weekend. Fucked me up. I'm off one day. This has been off one day recording. So, yeah. And then I got all my other podcasts to do. So, yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a busy man. But it's okay. I like to scatter my fans. But uh, if you guys like this, man, keep hitting like. Let's get more uh, subscribers, more downloads. Keep going. You're doing good for me. Uh, keep watching my uh, likes and my followers go up too, guys. I appreciate it. Give us some five-star reviews on iTunes and stuff, Amazon and wherever, and our YouTube channel is getting uh, caught back up. I think it is caught up by the way now. Go check it out. But, um, yeah, it's just been a long week and I'm tired, but I'm going to hit the books hard this weekend, get some shit ready, and Wednesday is going to be a booty good show i'm gonna be more energetic and more into it guys sorry if i'm not it's not that i don't like what i'm doing i love doing that stuff the scary stories and all that's awesome but i'm just it's been a long week had monday off because of fourth of july and yeah it's been fun though can't complain but you guys keep me going because i know we get to do another podcast another day but y'all guys check us out we're on facebook we're on uh instagram so check us out. We will see you later. But this has been Stephen LeBooth for Ghost Stories Told from the South. I hope you enjoyed yourself, my little chickies. Don't scare yourself tomorrow or whenever you listen to this. <laughs> but you guys be good. We love you. And we will holler at you later. Next Wednesday, faux show, baby. Bye.